this weekend, the readings are all focused so powerfully on hope, on hope. And yet, uh, um, this was about the most hopeless week I've had in a long time because of a book I've been reading, which I recommend to you, uh, but not for the faint of heart. It, it is something. Um, it's titled, How Civil Wars Begin and How to Stop Them, by Barbara F. Walter. And um, it's a powerful book. But before I get into that book, I want to say something about hope um, to start it. Uh, in the scriptures today, we hear in the first reading, Jeremiah, and he's speaking about hope uh, built around trust. And, and I have to preface this by saying, whenever we read the scriptures, we should be prepared not to be so literal and confined by the exact words, figure that they don't always mean exactly how they sound, and they always mean probably much, much more. So when Jesus says, if your eyes an occasion a sin, gouge it out, he doesn't mean that, literally. But he says it provocatively so that we would guard our eyes and be careful of what we look at and, and what we're going to take into our heart through our eyes. So he doesn't mean it quite literally, but he says it strongly so that we would uh, take it in and, and go deeper and see what is it he's getting at. So it says, don't trust in man, only trust in God. Well, not really. Uh, I mean, husband and wife, here we are on, on World Marriage Day. If husbands and wives don't trust each other, what have you got? Of course you trust in one another. Of course your kids should trust your parents. But not ultimately, not with an eternal trust. That belongs to God alone. And when we ever hear the message and begin to uh, open ourselves to this God that's eternal, all-knowing, always was, always will be, if we believe that, then there's a different kind of trust that is so profound that we have to get in touch with. And he says, it's like a tree planted near running waters, and the, the roots go way down deep, and they get this water, and they nurture it. Even in a drought, the leaves are forever green because they're nurtured. They trust in God. In the responsorial psalm, it repeats that same thing. And then Paul takes us to another place as he says, trust that. Hope in that cross. If you don't hope in that and believe that Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, then our faith is in vain. That's where your hope lies. And we see in the cross the divine entering into humanity in the person of Jesus and proving the divinity because on that cross he should have condemned everybody who did this to him. He should have hated them, but he didn't. But in the most divine way possible, he loved and forgave. And he gave to us a touch of eternity. It's like we reach out to God, but really God reaches out to us. And that's the meaning of that cross. So, to the book. Barbara Walter has been studying and, and teaching and learning about civil wars for years, about governments, how they fall, how they rise, what happens to them. And she, with a whole bunch of colleagues, have come up with like 10 steps that lead up to a civil war. And, and you can watch a society changing and what happens to them, their attitudes and all, and know when they're, they're at the point where they're maybe going to cross a line and, and it might be inevitable that civil war is coming. And they've tracked so many countries around the world that have gone through this. One of the ones that was most notable, at least in my lifetime, was South Africa. 
South Africa was similar to our country, wealthy, um, and uh, the difference was we had majority whites for so many years. Uh, they had a minority white always. They left Europe and went to South Africa and took over the land, took it away from the blacks, and then they ran the country. They didn't let the blacks vote. They couldn't live in white neighborhoods. They couldn't date or marry somebody who was white. They couldn't hold office. So what happened? The blacks got angrier and angrier and angrier and angrier. They put Nelson Mandela in jail for, what, 27, 29 years, something like that. So Botha, the last president to hold on to this kind of government and this kind of way of living, um, he got voted out and de Klerk came in and he would win the Nobel Peace Prize as he let Mandela out of jail and he would win the Nobel Peace Prize because the two of them committed to find a way to build their society back. And a lot of the impetus came from the business class, the whites, because they said, so what if we have all these businesses and all this money, if they burn down our businesses and take our money, what, what good is it? So it could have been a little self-serving, but in a way to protect themselves, they said, we gotta negotiate. We gotta make a different society. And so the doors began to open up. And South Africa was saved, really saved, from the Civil War. Now, it takes some wisdom to maneuver through there. And I'm reading this book, and I, I, I tell you, about halfway through the week, I, I was just losing it. And, and then I, when I get really upset, I talk out loud like a crazy man. I just do. And I said, Perry Liker, you're losing it. Perry Liker, you, you, where's your hope? And I, I had to face myself in reading this book if we were to come to a point of civil war, and there are so many among, my, among them myself who saw January 6th as a real crossing of a line, one that we've not crossed, one that is very similar to the first civil war in this country. But watching this and reading this, I said, Perry Liker, even if we come to that point that you can't go out your front door because somebody might shoot you, and there are guns everywhere, by the way, in case you don't know this, everywhere, everywhere. So uh, I said, what happens? And do I live in a shell or do I live my life and I might die for it? I might die. And I had to say, Perry Liker, no, hope is in the Lord, not in people going to save my life or whatever. I, I got to hope in the Lord. And if I do that, something may change. Finally, I finished the book this morning, real early. And I finally got to the positive, how do we prevent a civil war? And uh, I hope to start a chapter here in the parish because I really believe, just like those business leaders in South Africa and people who have a lot to lose, maybe the ones who are most willing to negotiate. And then all of the leaders, religious leaders and business leaders and parents and teachers, uh, maybe could grab on to what it is we need to do to rebuild in our neighborhood in our city, in our state, a, a, a government and a, a, a democracy that works, that works for people and uh, preserves our freedoms and our life. So, in that context, we have Jesus. He's out there with his disciples teaching them. He goes out on this stretch of flat land and he raises his eyes to them and he says these words that you heard in the introduction as well as in the reading. Blessed are the hungry. Blessed are the poor. Blessed those who are mourning and crying. 
Blessed are those who don't have anything. Blessed are you when they hate you and insult you and exclude you and persecute you in my name. Blessed are you. Well, again, I, I think it's not to be just so simply literal. It's really much more profound than that, and it goes much deeper. And I think it's something like this. Uh, one of the concepts that has grabbed my spirituality a lot, and I got it from Richard Rohr, but it, it's in most of the, uh, the, the spiritual writers of even centuries uh, past. It's the idea of liminal, liminal space. And liminal space, by definition, it's not this end or that end, but it's the stuff in the middle. So, um, for example, uh, on this end, uh, I think there's only 1% or 1.5% of our country who are billionaires. Is anybody a billionaire here? Please disclose. Is anyone close to being a billionaire? I don't think so. So we're not here, okay? But I hope, I hope and pray that as I say this, it's true that nobody in this church right now is homeless, but it could be. Those are two of the extremes, billionaire or homeless, but most of us, we're really all in this middle, in this liminal space. And what makes it liminal is that's where we're working out our stuff. That's where we're trying to figure it out and keep going. And this is where hope is so important. Because if we don't have hope, if we don't say, God, you're in this with us. God, you're going to grace me and bless me and get me through this. I will figure it out with your grace and love. If we don't engage hope here in this liminal space, what will happen? It's very easy to become hopeless and give up or give in. But to continue the struggle, the fight, the work, that's what it takes. I read, because uh, I went and searched, because I <clears throat> um, like to find quotes and things that capture an idea. So I was very lucky in getting this one, and I'm glad I read on, because it was uh, pretty spicy, the beginning. But then this person got to this beautiful passage on hope. It's only this long. Hang in there with me. This is what they wrote about hope. <clears throat> Hope is not thinking positive thoughts. Hope is not self-delusion. Hope is clinging to the life raft and kicking even when there is no sight of land. Hope is a muscle. Like most muscles, it hurts like <clears throat> heck at first, but it gets easier as you get stronger. And you get stronger the more routine, seemingly pointless work you put into it. It is possible. It's not easy. It takes the sort of work every day of doing what needs to be done to care for yourself, your community, your society, even when you resent having to do so and would rather lie down for five minutes or five months or the rest of your life. That's hope. It's not a mood. It's an action. It's behaving as if there might be a future, even when that seems patently ridiculous. That was a moment of hope. Who could hang on a cross and be insulted and, and be enduring such terrible suffering and rejection and ultimately dying and, and be hopeless? Somehow, Jesus proved 
that in the most hopeless situation, you can still hope and put yourself in the hands of God. I think today that, that we come to this wonderful, really at the beginning, only the sixth Sunday of the ordinary time, the really beginning of this year of our liturgy, that we stop and pause to appreciate the gift of hope. What it would be like in our life if we didn't have it. And how important essential it is to open ourselves to hope, to build hope in ourselves and with one another, and to create out of hope the possibilities that God puts in our path.